0: Independent thoughts, independent life. This is Chad Benson.
1: You know, it's funny when we talk about all the things that we do here on the program. We're just having an in-depth conversation about who's the longest-running character on General Hospital after Anthony said 15,000 episodes. Then <laughs> he's like, man, I bet they make good money. And I'm like, I don't think they do, man. There's no money. He's got to have reruns. Right? Reruns is where syndications where it's at. That's where it's at, kids. I'm telling you happy uh thursday to all my goodness me by the way is is have you found less enthusiasm for the uh gas tax holiday ever i love just late night everybody democrats republicans nancy Pelosi's like yeah i'll take a look at it is nobody wants it even when he was selling it i don't know what he was selling Right? I, I, I don't know, but he's—it's nobody seems to care.
2: Also, whoever decided to call it a gas tax holiday, that person should be fired. No, it's not a holiday. What does that mean? It's a gas tax holiday. No, just be like, we're not charging gas. It's a gas tax holiday. That's the worst holiday of all time. <laughs> what, you save 18 cents off of gas and I still have to go to work? Are you shitting me? But still, this is good news for Americans. Instead of the gas tax going to maintaining roads and infrastructure, drivers will now save 18 cents per gallon and then you can use those savings to buy a new car after yours gets swallowed up by a pothole
1: yeah desperation man desperation desperation speaking of desperation it's very interesting so you know we're talking John Kennedy if you guys don't know who he is Senator Kennedy is he's funny he 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 always has great quips he's he's he is just he is a, he's a zinger. He's a one line He's like, is that guy writing stuff? Does he have a, a, a team of writers? He's like, look, I could get a bunch of young staffers to come work for me and run around and, and tweet and stuff. But instead I hired a comedy team and it's way more entertaining. I don't know, but he, you, you can't be that funny and stupid. You can't, he's not stupid. And he and uh, Fed Chair Powell, who, by the way, said, no, Putin's not responsible for our inflation. They had a a very interesting back and forth that had no real comedy. But it's very interesting to listen to, you know, because you're, you, we always think of him as, as in many ways as the funny senator.
3: Inflation is uh, just an imbalance of supply and demand. Can we agree on that? Yes. To put a little finer point on it, demand is greater than supply. So
4: prices go up in some parts of the economy.
3: Yes. So we've got a situation where demand's up here, supply's down here. You're trying to lower demand.
4: Yes, while also giving the supply side time to recover.
3: You're trying to lower demand.
4: Well, I'm trying to lower demand growth. We don't know that it has to. The demand has to actually go down, which would be a recession.
3: Well, 70% of our economy is driven by consumer demand, and you're trying to lower demand to and slow the economy down. There's another way. The two aren't exclusive. You alluded to that. You can also lower demand, but you can increase supply. Can you not? Yes. And that would solve
1: inflation? Yes, it would. Whoa, that's crazy. So wait, wait. what you're telling me is here is we have people that want stuff. Yes, yes, yes. To, we printed all this money, and uh, they want to buy things. Okay, okay, okay. so they're, so they're going to buy stuff. Yeah, they want to buy the things, the things that they want to buy. Okay. okay, 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 I'm just, I'm, I'm, well, you follow along with me. We don't have those things. No, we don't have those things. So, you want to make it so it's so tough and expensive that they can't buy those things and that everything else gets more expensive. And in doing so, they'll stop spending and then parity will, will ensue, right? Everything will come on par with each other. Yeah, 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 That sense. That's that, that was our goal. Or, or or, we could do something else.
3: Tell me the things that Congress could do right now while you're lowering demand, not you literally, the Federal Reserve. What we can do right now to increase supply—things
4: that, like investing in people, so that they can remain in the labor market longer, things like that—and uh, you know, infrastructure, things that will, will increase the productive capacity. Well, how
3: about I'm interested right now in the short run. What about if we reduce the regulatory burden? Let's say on refineries, wouldn't that incent refineries to start refining more? And-
4: I would say anything that could re- increase capacity on that front could could have. A-
3: yeah, but would that help?
5: Well. Whoa, whoa, whoa,
1: whoa. Would that help? Could help, I guess. Uh, And refineries, I mean, the oil issue that is just always hilarious when when we have to have the conversation about oil and gas. We're talking about, hey, is there anything we could do to help these refineries? Because some of them are offline because, well, there was no reason to refine oil when we weren't driving. Uh, So we didn't need. Now, to get these things up and running, it's a little bit tougher, and we're going to have to... uh, how about we build new ones? Well, you're never gonna do that. We haven't built a new one since the 70s. Seventies. And look, Powell is doing his best here in a in a in a in a tough situation. He gets it. He should have been raising rates for the last couple of years. They didn't. It should have been a slow and steady movement. It didn't happen. The massive amounts of printing money they realize is a massive mistake. Uh, yes, the COVID's played a part in a lot of this stuff because of the supply chains, but there, there's so much more that goes into this. It's a mess. It is. But when the feds get involved like this, it's, you know, it's not going to end. Well, look, Mr.
3: Chairman, we got a hell of a mess. I, I don't care what the inflation is in other parts of the world. I'm sorry they're having inflation in other parts of the world. Them in misery doesn't make my people feel better. They're still miserable. Inflation is hitting people so hard, they're coughing up bones. It's the highest in 40 years. Our national debt is greater than our national out. 70% of the American people think we're headed in the wrong direction. And right now, you're, you're the most powerful man in the United States, maybe in the world. Now, we got a hell of a mess.
1: Ooh, that's like laying it out there, right? Yeah, yeah, we printed too much money. We did way too much that was wrong. And this this last American Rescue Act, whatever the hell that Biden called it, was a disaster amongst disasters. The first, hey, we're sending everybody home, print some money, okay, okay. The second one, uh, the third one was ridiculous. It was. And the printing of money has put us in situations where we overheated the market and rather than trying to balance it and increase, we stayed pat. And in doing so, we are screwed at this point in time. Do I think we're going to recession? I think there's a chance we may be in one now. Everybody laughs at me, but we contracted in the first quarter and I don't really feel like we've grown a lot in the second. Do you? President Biden, I don't blame him,
3: I understand politics, he keeps saying, your 401k has crashed and gas has gone from two bucks to five bucks a gallon because the economy's so good. And the American people know that's not true. The Fed's increased its balance sheet from one and a half trillion dollars to nine trillion dollars. Nine trillion dollars, I know you're cutting it back. But we've injected all of this money into the economy, and people go, "Well, we have inflation." Duh! Give me some help here. Tell me what we can do.
4: I'm really focused on what we can do, uh, which is shrink our balance sheet and raise interest rates and and get supply and demand back into alignment and get inflation back down to two percent. Thank you, Senator Kennedy.
1: No,
3: thank you, Senator Kennedy.
1: There's not a lot. There's not a lot. There's not. It's touch. It's feel. And it's it's luck. It is. I mean, could tomorrow Russia? say we're done and we're pulling out and you know the europeans start to say all right well they're out now and they're they're sorry and they'll start taking gas because well they're europeans and they you know they just as we know like do you think the french and the germans have given the chance aren't going to ramp things back up again of course they are when they have a chance could things turn yeah but that's luck that's luck we're in a hot mess when it comes to a lot of this stuff and the big thing is the confidence of the individual you and i Do you believe that we're going in the right direction? And if you ask 10 people, seven of them are going to say, no, we're not. One's going to be eh, unsure. One, they're like, yeah, I feel pretty good. And the other one, I think, would say, hell no. So it's the question for me is, what's it look like? When we land, crash landing, right? Is it a, we're going straight down, nose down. Is it, we're just going to be on the tarmac for a little while while they double check everything and refuel us and we're going to take off. That to me, is that's where I'm looking at this point in time. That's where I'm looking. You live for today, you plan for tomorrow. Right now, unfortunately, because of the way things are, people are just trying to survive the day. Three two three five three eight twenty four twenty three at Chad Benson Show is your Twitter tweet at us text the program. Hope you are well. Goodness me, it's crazy out there. It is, you know. Just I mean, you know, everything from Uvalde. It's January sixth, and of course, SCOTUS. Everybody's waiting. What's, what's going to happen? People are waiting for like this explosion. But you know, yesterday, uh, several polls are pointing the same thing. the The abortion issue is not going to have the impact that the Democrats thought. And why is that? If all things were good, right? We had 250 gas. We had, you know, unemployment where it's at now. People had, you know, more money in their bank and inflation hadn't gone up and to where it is now and it's just rising at the rate of inflation, which is, you know, right around 1% to 2%. The abortion issue and the gun issue would be massive. But the reality is, when you're living and working to pay for day-to-day necessities, so much of these other things get pushed to the back. And when you look on poll after poll, is this going to be a big issue come November, Poll after poll says it's an issue, but the biggest issue is the economy, because it's always the economy. Stupid. 323-538-2423. at Chad Benson Show. Your Twitter tweet at us. Text to program. Love hearing from every single one of you. Ohio State has trademarked something. Wait to hear what they did. Valdi still the nightmare continues because every time you turn around, it's something new and it's getting worse. And I just. Uh, How anybody there has a job on the police force, DPS, eight agencies were there. How any of them are employed today is mind-boggling. Talk about that. Great interview coming up. Uh, Dave uh, McCraney's going to join us. Bottom of the hour. How to change minds. And it's a scientific approach. He went to... 9-11 truthers, he went to cults, he went to people that were deep in rabbit holes and all kinds. It is such an interesting book, and I've gotten through a good portion of it. Man, I can't wait to talk to him. He's going to join us at the bottom of the hour. Healthy Cell. Healthy Cell. What is it? Well, it's the best way to get the things that you need. You know, everybody talks about vitamins. You know, the other day I saw a report that says, people, vitamins are a waste of money. They're a waste of money because your body doesn't absorb any of the stuff. It just doesn't. Healthy Cell is not like that. Healthy Cell is the exact opposite. You're going to get the vitamins, the minerals you need, and everything, all from a small ingestible packet. All you do is cut the top off, tear it off, suck it down. A little bit bigger than a ketchup packet, and away you go. I take my REM sleep. I take my immunity super boost. My my bioactive multi. My, I mean my focus and recall. It's great. In fact, to get the same kind of thing with my immune super boost, if I wanted to take the same, get the same nutrients and everything, I'd have to take 15 of those giant horse pills. That's just nuts. No way. This works. It's amazing. Right now, ditch all those big horse pills. Right? Get rid of those. Let's get a little bit healthier. For a limited time, you can go to healthycell.com slash Chad. Use code Chad to get 20% off the best stuff around that works. The ingestible gel. From Healthy Cell. All right? It's incredible. HealthyCell.com slash Chad. HealthyCell.com slash Chad. Save 20% off your first order. HealthyCell.com slash Chad. Chad Vincent Show.
0: Check out our Chad Benson Show Facebook page where you can hang out or hang your grievances out to dry. This is Chad Benson. Outrage erupted last night at the Uvalde, Texas City Council meeting where members of the public pleaded for the chief of school
3: police, Pete Arredondo, who also serves on the city council, to resign from his seat. One of the speakers included the grandmother of 10-year-old Amory Jo Garza, one of the 19 students who were murdered inside Robb Elementary School. He
2: failed us. Do not make the same mistake he made and fail us too. Make it right. We deserve better. Our children deserve better. And those teachers deserve better. And all these kids and all the families here deserve better. Please, we're begging. Get this man out of our lives.
1: Yeah. He has uh, been put on paid administrative leave, and the grandma continues.
4: The everything that's coming out, everything that we're finding out, it's just getting harder and harder by the day. And we have to speak for all these children, all these families. We have to, we have to make things right. We, we need to get down to the bottom of everything that has happened and find out the truth.
1: Yeah, and the truth is, don't believe a word any of them say. There is one officer that we can say, you tried. That's right. One officer. Officer Ruiz. Because, you see, his wife, and again, the story gets worse every day. His wife, Eva Mireles called him because she was inside the school and told her husband that she was dying because she had been shot. He attempted to go in and, if you will, storm the building when he was detained and had his gun taken away and escorted off the scene. Are you blanking kidding me? Are you kidding me? Every day, every day it's something new. Every day it's weird. How they show up I, I, I and the lawsuits that are coming, I am telling you guys, the lawsuits that are coming and the media will focus on, oh, they're suing a gun company or something like that. The lawsuits and the settlements from the state, there were eight, eight agencies there. It wasn't just Uvalde, eight agencies. And they did nothing. They did nothing kids bled out, bled out. It went from, well, it could have been stopped within 10 minutes to it could have been stopped within 20 minutes. So we find out, well, hold on a second. No, they could have engaged and stopped it within three. But instead, they waited another 74 minutes. Are you blanking kidding me? <sighs> Dave McCrady's going to join us next. He has an amazing book at How Minds Change. Awesome. Interesting. Very insightful. We're going to talk to him straight ahead. Chad Benson Show.
4: The Chad Benson Show.
0: thoughts independent life this is chad benson this
1: is hilarious my wife just sends me this text she's reading something from neurosciencenews.com people who intentionally hurt others because they believe they are morally right or justified do not respond rationally uh, to material benefits and i just started they they're about moral goodness they think they're They've got something there. And joining us now, and it's funny that, that she since that, because, again, it's about science, is a guy who's written one of the most fascinating books, and I've not gotten all the way through it. It is just, it's riveting, it's exciting, uh, and it's a lot of what we talk about here. Uh, David McCraney joins us. He's the author of You Are Not So Smart, which we all know, uh, if you guys listen to the show. His, his book now is called How Minds Change: The Surprising Science of Belief, Opinion, and Persuasion. David, thanks for joining the program. Man, your book is awesome. And I haven't got all the way through it, but I, I've and I'm rereading some of the bits that is just incredible. First, you bring science into this, which I just think is fascinating, because when you when you add science into humans and feelings, things go wacky.
6: <laughs> this is true. Uh, this has been my experience for years now, uh, but I love it. I can't get enough of it. I appreciate everything you said. I heard you just a minute ago uh, that you've gotten about halfway through it. I love that feedback. Thanks so much. It was a real labor of love that turned into a labor of obsession after a while. So uh, I appreciate it.
1: So what made you want to write a book about, you know, minds, people changing? I mean, you know, I'm I'm always fascinated. I'm like, are you born a Republican? Are you born liberal? Is there, you know, genetics in it? I mean, is there some wiring in the brain that is different? I'm always fascinated about things like that.
6: Yeah, well, I've been writing about this kind of stuff for a long time, mostly about motivated reasoning—the the the thing we do, like when you when you want a piece of uh, chocolate cake and you find a reason to get it. Uh, <laughs> there's always a, you can always find a uh, excuse to do the things that you want to do, uh, but also opinions and beliefs and, and attitudes work in the same way. We can always find a justification for what we already think, feel, and believe, and. Are people born the way a little bit like we're everyone is born a little bit more open to uh, novelty and a little fearful of novelty. We kind of run on a spectrum, but then you're born into a social environment that sort of flattens or sharpens those sensations or those feelings, those natural predilections. And then you run with it from there. You eventually find yourself in some sort of community that then asks you to behave in a certain way or feel in a certain way, think in a certain way. Or else you don't get to be in that community anymore. And and all of this adds up to sort of the big jangling bag of beliefs, attitudes, and values we bring into conversations and disagreements.
1: Talking to David McCraney's book is How Minds Change: The Surprising Science of Belief, Opinion, and Persuasion. You talk about community. So, Anthony and I, my producer, we were talking about this for the show. We were talking about your book. And I said to him, uh we were talking about trumpism and and you know a lot of other things because i was telling him a little bit about this and he says to me it's all tribal and one of your chapters called the truth of tribal and the charlie story 9-11 truther i was so fascinated Mm -hmm. by you know he you know he uh, goes on alex jones a bunch of other stuff but he said uh really it was about a belonging and acceptance he was it was more important to him to be accepted and to not feel lonely anymore than it was whether or not he was right or wrong.
6: Yeah, there's a social scientist, I uh, quote in the book, she told me, her name is uh, Brooke Harrington, uh, she's a sociologist, she said that the e equals MC square of social science is that the fear of social death is greater than the fear of physical death. And that's true for all human beings, no matter what community you're a part of, no matter what social identity you've taken on. I think it's really easy for us to assume that we don't aren't that way, that we don't have some sort of overarching social identity. We're not allegiant to something. We all have to think that we are completely neutral and independent. But uh, this is just impossible. Humans can't be that way. We we are a very ultra-social primate, as they say. And there are all sorts of anxieties and values that, especially with the access to the Internet, that will lead us to find other people who share those anxieties and values. That's often how people find their way into a conspiratorial community And then once you're in the community, then you get introduced to all sorts of new things. And it can feel like whenever someone challenges you, that they're challenging you on the facts of the matter. And you start feeling like you're justifying things through the facts. And you're like, this thing that I believe is why I'm in the group. And this is also why I feel this way. But often what takes over is this desire to be a good member of the group. And when tasked with it, we are more motivated by, ac- by our belonging goals and accuracy goals. And we're willing to be wrong if it keeps us in good standing with our group. And I think we see that play out all the time, not just in conspiratorial communities, but also in political debates or any debate that involves this might make me uh, – this might lead to my shame and ostracism from the groups that I depend on for all of my information, all my trust, and so on.
1: Yeah, and, you know, because in in the next page, you talk about the cognitive scientists, uh, Gimbel and Harris and and Kaplan, and the whole MRI test. And the thing that I found... You know, cause they, so you guys go and MRI test. They, they, you know, they use an MRI to test and they ask all these questions. And some of them are hot button issues. Some of them are just very neutral and some are just bland. But the thing that was interesting, they said, as the arguments mounted, subjects responded to the threat of their convictions as if it was the threat of their very flesh and blood. And I keep telling everybody the thing with politics nowadays is we're in a position, and maybe I'm wrong to have here, where if you say, I don't like Trump that person who likes Trump is saying, well, basically you don't like me.
6: Right. Because because the suggestion is you're an untrustworthy member of the group. You you have to think of it as like, what if we were just down to 20 people trying to survive after like a plane crash or, or you go back to proto human days when we were in actual tribes or even uh, any social group where it's you sort of us versus the world. The suggestion that you are a bad thinker about the idea that you are uh, should be ashamed for what you think you don't believe that you're just wrong in some way. There's, there's a threat there that you aren't a good, that you aren't a useful member to our community anymore. And we respond very, very, very quickly to that in the MRI. They said it was like the same, the same, you could have a neutral topic, like something like a trivial thing, like uh, can you see the, the great wall of China from space, telling people things that change their mind about that no real reaction. But if you did a wedge issue type thing and just introduced any evidence that you should move a little bit on the issue, people responded in the brain via blood flow. It was identical to what someone would do if they were being attacked by a bear because they feel that their identity is under threat. And there's no difference in the brain between your identity, the abstract idea of it, and your bearing flesh and blood. And if you've ever gotten angry in a political argument, uh, <laughs> you've felt this before. And I would ask people to ask, why did I get angry? What's the, where's the anger coming from? What is, what's causing this to bubble up inside of me? How come this isn't just a, a debate about facts anymore? It's become something more personal after just one little suggestion that I could be wrong about something.
1: Talking to David McCraney here. His book is How Minds Change, this surprising science of belief, opinion, and persuasion. And it is interesting. You know, because we talk politics, talk pop culture, talk all kinds of things. And I said, "Ah, David, how many times in life have you been in a situation where you're arguing with somebody and they, and you know, okay, you know what, I'm wrong here. Uh, It was a mistake. But then they make it personal. And then you say, well, you're going to make it personal. I'm going to dig in. Even though you may have been in the wrong you feel like once it gets personal i no longer care about being wrong i care that you made it personal and i just how do we get over that that's the thing that i think we need now in in all portions of society is learning how to get over taking everything so personal and digging in
6: the way you get out of it is you avoid that debate frame altogether don't inter- don't do this thing where you might as well get in front of lecterns and get in front of an audience and sort it out or you need to win. They need to lose. You need to show that you're right and they're wrong. The, instead of facing off, what I suggest is we get shoulder to shoulder, and the science really supports this. Try to enter into a collaborative framework where you're saying, okay, I'm curious why we disagree about this. I would like to work together to try to solve the mystery of why is it that we see it differently? And instead of having a battle of facts, now you're starting to explore the reasoning, that the feeling of confidence or certainty that you felt whenever you were looking at all the evidence out there and you cherry picked the things that lined up with your feeling of certainty. And by getting into a a frame of nonjudgmental listening and report, you can have a conversation that's almost like if you have ever gone to see a movie with someone and you loved it and then you left the theater and you're outside and the person who you're with, you know them, you trust them, you love them, and they say, I hated that. This isn't a moment where you feel like your identity is under threat. It's not a moment where you feel like you're going to have to disown this person. They don't become a them, and you're in an us. You go, oh, that's weird, and you have a conversation in which you investigate why you feel differently. And you move a little bit their way, they move a little bit your way. That is something that is available to all of us, even in political context. It's just you have to avoid your knee-jerk feeling of, I need to push and get what i want out of this because if you push they push back and you get into a feedback loop where you eventually have the kind of conversations that we've all had where you say i just have to agree to disagree and then you leave that's what i advocate for in the book
1: uh, you know uh, y- you talk about cults in the book and you and, and and the thing that i find interesting is when you go through all this so much of it is it's about belonging right people want to belong and i always say like mm-hmm. gangs are the same way you see people who are in street gangs 99 times out of 100, they come from a broken home, they don't have a father, they're looking for belonging, and these people promise them something where, hey, we're with you all the way, we're a team, you belong here with us, and it just, it all kind of feels like it's the same thing, just in different areas of the world, in life.
6: It is, it's the same fundamental psychology, it's the same fundamental uh, neurology that, that leads to all of this, and it's the same thing that leads to the current political climate, we are in a social world that's changed a whole lot over the last few generations, and we have entered into a space where a lot of the institutions that we used to use to identify ourselves have fragmented and become less important and moved into the background. And something that has remained that's sort of easy—it's something that is, from a bird's eye view, we can all say, "Well, well, we're in this group or we're in that group," and. Once you are in the frame of I'm in this group or that group, you're also in the frame of us versus them. And it's very difficult to, to put anything in any greater context than that whenever you only have a moment to discuss an issue with someone or you haven't had the, a chance to develop trust. You haven't uh, discovered that you, maybe you share very similar values. Maybe you agree that this problem is something we both see as a problem. We just disagree on the best course of action for solving it. Instead, it's a us versus them win versus lose frame and that's a testament to the fact that we have sort of entered a state where our institutions have eroded in a lot of places or just changed in in a way that the last thing standing for many people is well i'm on this side of the political camp you're on that side of the political camp and that is when you get into the very biological very belongings more important than accuracy frame of mind
1: yeah we can't win with that Uh, last question We got about a minute here uh how do you change minds? Because some of these people go down rabbit holes and you talk about there's a lot of organizations and people around the globe who are working and they didn't know they were all kind of working on the same thing, uh, which is, you know, like it's not sort of changing people like as a human being, but maybe helping them see some other things, get out of the rut, get out of the QAnon holes and the cults and whatnot.
6: Yeah, that was an astonishing part of the research was discovering there were so many organizations working on A-B testing, better ways to have these kind of conversations. They didn't know each other. They weren't aware of the science behind it. And yet they all found pretty much the same technique. And it goes in pretty much the same order. The two parts, to I think, to illustrate that can be applied very quickly to anyone hearing this is that First is you must establish that rapport. You must get that relationship into that trust frame, like leaving the movie theater. And if you've had a lot of conflict with a person in the past, you're going to have to focus on that part first. But if it's somebody you've never met before, it's very easy to establish. Just be transparent, be open, say that I'm not really here to change your mind. I'm interested in exploring why we disagree. Then get your claim out there in in the open. And this is incredible that this works so well, but if you just say okay, how do you feel about this if we were to put it on a number scale from zero to 10 or one to 100 or something like that? Or if it's a fact-based claim, say, how confident are you that this is true from zero to to 10 or one to 100? And then whatever number they give you, ask, why does that number feel right to you? And all of a sudden, you're having a completely different kind of of dynamic where you hold open a space, don't inject your own things into it, stay inside of, of their reasoning and help that person unpack why would they have that level? And Why is it not higher? Why is it not lower? And go in that direction. And as hard as this is to believe, having that kind of conversation moves people very effectively, a little bit in some way. And also, if you're doing it properly, it'll move you as well.
1: Yeah, it's fantastic. Uh, David Crichton joins us, author of uh, You're Not So Smart. You got your blog out there. You're Not So Smart. We know that. But his new book, How Minds Change, The Surprising Science of Belief, Opinion, and Persuasion. I tell everybody, I'm going to persuade you, go out and get this book. It is, uh, especially if you're living in a myopic world where you're in a tunnel and you've got only certain thinking. Maybe you're open minded enough. Check this out. You'll love it. I appreciate you coming on today, my man.
6: Hey, thanks so much. Great questions. Love it.
1: Thank you so much. At Chad Benson Show, Twitter, C H A D B E N S O N. Eden Pure gives you the best air purifiers around. You love them. I love them. You're going to love this. $200 off the best air purifier. Plug it straight into the wall, All right? Super quiet. Oh. Oxy Leaf 2 Thunderstorm. You have a little bit of a thunderstorm smell, and man, does it kill the smells. The stank is gone, and it's gone fast you will love this if you've got some smells in your house litter boxes teenagers whatever it is your husband your wife oh jeez oh my goodness even if it's good smells right like it's overpowering this is what it is oxyleaf 2 thunderstorm right now get it no filters to buy plug into the wall let it go three pack you're going to save 200 dollars. edenpuredeals.com use code chad 3 edenpuredeals.com code chad 3 edenpuredeals.com code chad 3 free shipping with that chad benson show
0: Being antisocial sucks. Hang with Chad's friends on Facebook, The Chad Benson Show. And if you just need some alone time, head on over to Twitter at Chad Benson Show. Either way, we can't wait to meet the real you. I don't know how they did it,
1: but Ohio State, excuse me, I'm wrong. The Ohio State has successfully trademarked the <laughs> the yeah. They secured the trademark for the word the on clothing. So, and it's funny because when you when you type in Ohio State, now it comes up, the Ohio State University. <laughs> and, you know, it, it became the Ohio State University because some guy in football 20 years ago, 30 years ago, when they were doing the things, you know, in the football games, and they, you know, I'm so-and-so from the University of Arkansas, and some guy's like, I'm such-and-such from the Ohio State. And it's hilarious. So, yes, they now have the trademark The. So if you're going to have clothes with the on it, (laughs) you better watch out because Ohio State owns the when it comes to clothing. We started the hour talking about something very serious. How much money do soap opera actors make? (laughs) Because we're talking about it. And because Anthony's like, man, 15,000 episodes of General Hospital. So I got some of the biggest numbers here and very few Make more than 3000 an episode. Most of them making between $1,000 and about $2,000 an episode. Now, Grant, you can be on a lot of episodes. The money is always in the reruns. Here's what soap offers don't have syndication and reruns. Not like that. See, the more you learn, the more you learn. If you're listening to the show, grab the podcast. It's the Chad Benson Show.
0: independent life. This is Chad Benson.
1: If you missed any of the uh, show, grab the uh, podcast. Great interview with a guy named David McCraney. Uh, He's the author. He's got a book out uh, before called You're Not So Smart. He's got a blog, which is actually really entertaining. But his new book, How Minds Change: Surprising Science of Belief, Opinion, and Persuasion. And everything that is going on in our world and the way that we feel and how we act Is right here in this book, and it's all science-based, right? It's 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 so what we talk about all the time, and even before the show today, we were you know I was talking to Anthony. Anthony had he's not read the book. I've gotten through a good portion of it. I've got through it all. Got a lot of books sent to me. Can I just say this? I got a lot of books sent to me, and a lot of them are awful. (laughs) Right? Some of them I'm like I really like that. Some of them I'm like we're gonna give that away as a prize on my local show. Uh, but as I was talking to Anthony about, you know, like this, this one guy in the book that I keep going back to this Charlie guy thing I found fascinating is he's a guy that's a nine 11 truther, right? He has all of these, you know, he goes on Alex Jones, does all this stuff. And he said, the feeling of belonging and of acceptance was more important to him at that point. Any unusual detail of like you know, chemtrails made frogs gay, and the flu vaccine was a tool of enslavement. That you know, uh, that you know, Alex pushes, and he said he became uh, pliant, willing to suspend his disbelief to not feel alone. And why? If, and and the thing is, which we didn't touch on, and we touched on a few other things. And Anthony's like, it's all about tribal. Is it goes sounds tribalist? It's tribalism. The thing to me though that that is fascinating is. As we were talking on this, you know, off the air, uh, early, early this morning, Anthony, and I said, he goes, I wonder why people are so like this. I said, because we don't have anywhere to go. And then we had this author on. He said, yeah. And by that, I mean, we go to the Internet now. So we're alone and we go to the Internet. You're not going to the Internet with 20 people in the room. And then you find your tribe. We used to have churches. We used to have the Elks Lodge. We used to have Boy Scouts and Girl Scouts. We used to have sports. We used to have... You know, all of these things that made a community a community as a tribe, if you will, for lack of a better term, we don't have that. We don't. We do not have that like we used to. People want to feel like they belong. Inherently, we're a pack creature. We are. We, 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 we that's why COVID was so hard on so many people And look at the young people they are starting to realize maybe they need people more than ever before because we need other people companionship love or, you know sometimes it's it's you know have you ever watched a movie where like there's a guy that's kind of alone right but in his small town, and every once in a while, the sheriff will give him a ticket, or the sheriff will do something to him. They say, "Why'd you do that?" He goes, "Because he needs to know he's not alone. He needs to feel like he's part of something. There's a community that is so much that that's that I just don't think people realize." And two, the other thing he talks about is how wrapped up we are in politics. And the other, whether it's January 6, whether it's uh, abortion rights, whether it's the gun thing, whatever it is, everybody's got their thing and their tribe. And the thing is. When people ask me, what do I do for a living? I'm like, I don't know. I talk on the radio and I make funny noises with my my voice and, you know, I'm blessed and I get paid for that. But that's not who I am. That's just a portion of what I do. I'm a, I believe in God, right? I have, I'm a husband, I'm a son, I'm an uncle, I'm a big brother, most important to me in many ways. You know, so I'm a father, right? This is a portion of what I do. It's not who I am. It's a portion of me. And I think until we can start to 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 get to a point where we can go, okay, hold on a second. You know, if, if I like Trump, that's not who I am. It's not my identity. It's just that's that's who I am, you know, politically. But, you know, I may be this way when it comes to Certain social things, or I may be this way when it comes to you know being a husband, or 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 what, and we—that's what we need to start tearing things down. In so many ways, and stop taking things personal. And it's hard. I mean, right now, you know, like, you know, January 6th, right? So Rusty Bowers, the guy from Arizona, game, He gave some of the most dramatic things, and the people here in Arizona are destroying. By the way, Rusty Bowers also said he would vote again for Trump if that was the choice between Trump and Biden. Basically, he would. He's not going to cheat for anybody. But the people are tearing him down. Why? Because they've challenged the belief system. They've challenged them because they all want to feel like they look good in front of the others in the tribe. And it's the same thing out on the left. It's like, you know, uh, I have friends who are gay. Most of them are older. They're not in their, you know, because. And they'll say. That's I, that's not who I am. It's just a portion of what I am. Well, in a younger generation, feelings and everything are all about identity. Like, if you feel something today, that's your identity. Your identity is this. My identity is that. You have to choose a side. <laughs> and it, it just, it, it it makes me, it frustrates me because you can look out there and you can see, hey, this right here, right now, we've got. Uh, you know, we're not dying. We don't have. Uh, uh, you know, we don't have cancer. We're not dying as as a nation, but we're we're definitely not feeling great right now. But we saw it during COVID more than anything else that you could see because it was in front of us. If you wore a mask, you were righteous, and you were this way, and that was your tribe. If you didn't wear a mask, you thought you were righteous. And here was my tribe. And it's ridiculous. It is. It is. So uh, if you missed any of the interview, have a chance to grab it. I just want to get that out because I I just think that the the more that we can sit down and have a conversation, it's one of the first things I teach in school is, hey, kids, we're going to show you guys how to have an actual discussion, a disagreement, and how to talk. (laughs) It's like, those are the... Little things like that, which we used to allow to happen, right in school. I mean, I tell people this: bullying in some ways not only a part of life; it's it's having an understanding of how to get over obstacles. It's having an understanding of 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 you know certain things that go on in the world, and 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 it, we we've taken those kind of learning experiences away from kids. Now I'm not talking about going out. You know, when I was a kid, I mean things have changed. Bullying is 24 seven now. It's much different. And by the way, you just don't have to be the nerd kid to bully, get bullied. I mean, you know, it's like you could fall out with your crowd and, you know, be the best looking guy or the or the hottest girls, and you could still get bullied, but they used people used to handle those obstacles and that used to work itself out. And that was part of life skills, which we've taken away from kids nowadays. 323-538-2423 at Chad Benson Show is your Twitter. Tweet at us, text the program. So I'd throw that out there. I just felt like I was energized by that because I the science of so much of it it just backs up the how if you're open and honest and that's why I say to you guys every day what whats what do you believe I believe this have you ever challenged your belief have you ever thought for a second that maybe maybe. I'm not getting all of the truth and that there's, you know, there's something else out there. Have you ever thought for a second that, you know, I just, I'm going to go look over here. No, because everybody's afraid that if they found their friends if their tribe found out that hey you know what so and so uh he doesn't believe this was stolen right he doesn't believe or you know he you know he or she believes that maybe there was some stuff that was done that was wrong uh you know in the election and uh we're you know i mean that that hey uh, you know i'm not a trump supporter but uh you know maybe the russian thing was a bunch of bs or vice versa whatever it is because nobody's willing to challenge because in a day in age that we live now, not only is it tribal, but for so many of us, we only identify with our politics, our sexual identity, our gender. There is, you know, when we hear all these woke stuff, the thing we always laugh about, A, it's always about them. And B, their feelings are who their identity is. And in politics, it's, if I'm on the right or left, that's who I am. Right? That's all I am. I am I am, I am, am a Trump supporter or I'm a, you know, I'm a never-Trumper. You're not a father. You're not a business owner. You're none of those things. It's not a successful way to live a life. 323-538-2423. At Chad Benson Show is your Twitter. Tweet at us. Text the program. A lot of stuff still to get to, including, uh... Is she alive? Is she not alive? We're going to talk about the sentient being at Google because uh, Blake LeMoyne has spoken out. He's the, uh, uh, I guess he's the Google engineer. I think he specializes in AI who's been working with the the AI and he's got some stuff to say about whether or not the being itself, the AI is now becoming a being and is sentient. Talk about that. Shark attack. Little nature. Got several nature issues. Man, nature is starting to mess people up. That's for sure. 323-538-2423 at Ched Benson shows your Twitter. Tweet at us, text the program. MyPillow has a deep, deep discounts on everything that's out there. They get the BOGO, the buy one, get one free. Their deep discounts right now on the My Slippers are awesome. You're going to save huge amounts of money. How about this? A $90 savings. They're only $49.98 with promo code Benson. Took two years to develop. Patented fill from MyPillow inside of there. Comfort memory foam to help prevent fatigue. Patented impact uh, gel, which is made out of soybeans. Indoor outdoor sole. Suede leather. It's just awesome. You can wear them all day long. They're great, especially if you've got to do a lot of walking. Comfortable, machine washable, six-day money-back guarantee. One-year limited warranty. But tons of discounts across all the MyPillow products in the BOGO still going on. The buy one, get one free from the MyPellow, to the sheets, you name it. Go to mypello.com slash Benson, Mypello.com slash Benson, or call 800-983-4975, 800-983-4975, and take advantage of the $90 off MySlipper deal. Offer's not going to last much longer. MyPello.com slash Benson. Chad Benson Show.
0: Running with scissors sounds great compared to this. Say, whee! five, four,
1: three, two, one, two, Ignition. Liftoff. Now it's time to find out what's trending. What's trending? Yeah. What does that mean? I mean something, right? Like it's trending on the old internet. What's trending? Find out what's trending on the old interwebs, shall we? Because I enjoy doing that. Like to find out what's happening. Like to be abreast of said situations. Oh yes, you do, sir. Trumpet the bloodhound beat the French bulldog, German shepherd, a Maltese, and an English setter uh, to win the best in show at the 104th, 146th Westminster Kennel Club Dog Show. I love the guy who does the the announcing over. You know, well, not not the people that do the actual announcing of it well like the guy that's on the PA system this is a dog that's from night you know this breed spans back to 273 years what do you say if you're an announcer of the Westminster dog show what do you think what do you think what do you think they're thinking right now I don't know they're dogs what do you think they're thinking they want to pee on a fire hydrant I what are they supposed to feel why is everybody staring at me Why won't my owner leave me alone? Why is everybody always brushing my butt? Oh, my goodness me. Uh, So much stuff to get to. Biden's gas crisis. People are asking questions about. Tony Saragusa, the Goose. uh, Beloved football player. Hilarious sideline reporter. Passed away unexpectedly at age 55 yesterday. Uh, people were shocked by that and he was the goose was hilarious he really really was hell of a player as well head on over to Google Brad Pitt hints at retirement says consider myself on the last leg apparently he's got something that has to do uh where he has trouble recognizing people's faces it's like a facial blindness and so he says he's struggling with that little Taj or t- t- is TJ t- t- I don't know He was a rapper. He was shot multiple times. Yes, he was. I did not know if you guys knew that. Yeah, 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 absolutely happened. Jewel may be uh, banned. If you guys have not seen that, they're thinking about getting rid of Jewel, not the singer, because why would we do that, right? She is a a cherished Jewel of North America. Uh, And uh, Zion Williamson, the basketball star for the Pelicans, who last year became... uh, Well, he was, how should I say this? He was injured and he uh, was a little bit bigger than maybe he should have been, if you will. Not trying to be mean. He nutritionally was overachieving. Well, he's got a new video out and he looks yoked, as the kids would say. He got swole. Do they say that anymore? Is swole a thing? Man, that guy swole. Three two three five three eight twenty four twenty three at Chad Benson shows your Twitter tweet at us. Text the program. Man, gas price is going up, but don't you worry, we're on it, right? The president's on it. We're doing all kinds of good stuff. That, nothing to worry about here. Of
6: course, suspending
1: the federal gas tax on its own will not solve the problem. It's why the president is also doing several other things. One. He's calling upon states as well to consider uh, doing
0: gas tax holidays on the state side. He's urging oil companies to use their profits to increase output. He's calling upon the industry to pass along the decrease in oil prices, which we have seen uh, at the barrel level over the past week, for example, at the pump.
1: And he is um, demanding uh, that this industry come to the table with some solutions on refinery. Yeah, how about this? Build more refineries, release some of the regulations, and allow us to do this. That I. There you go. Well, we're not going to do that because I want to destroy your industry. Okay, then. Well, then what are we doing here? How about this, right? How about this? Crap in one hand and wish in the other. Find out which one fills up faster. Because if your belief is we're going to come to the table after you tell us all the time that you want to destroy our industry and put us out rather than partnering with us and figuring out how to do this for real... You demonize us. Guess what happens? We're not willing to help. Pretty simple. Chad Benson Show.
4: The Chad Benson Show.
0: independent thoughts, independent life. This is Chad Benson. There's a new study out that says if you can stand on one leg for
1: 10 seconds, unsupported, taking into account uh, variables like age and illness, uh, the results uh, come from a study of fitness and health, and they say if you can do this balancing test, 84% 84% more likely to, to die if you can't. So if, if you can do this, your your chances of living longer, apparently, is better. Now, they, they did this with people over the age of 50 in Brazil, and they started it in 2009. So they said that adding balance is a component of routine physical exam for older people could provide doctors important health information. But if you could do this, and this is what it is, right? So that what they what they ask you to do is you lift one foot and place it behind the opposite lower leg without touching the ground while keeping the arms at the side and looking forward. You're allowed three attempts. One in five failed the test, generally those who were older and in poorer health. Well, of course. So we're going to try it here now. And here I go. So I got look forward. Okay, right, guys, I'm looking forward. Everybody, you guys should try this on too. And I'm taking a leg and I'm putting it behind another leg. And then I don't do anything with my arms and I'm looking for it, but I'm also talking into a microphone. I don't know what that does for me. I know that's extra bonus points. And uh, I'm just I'm just doing this in very very flamingo style. I don't know how many seconds i has been going here. I'm feeling all right. I'm feeling uh, pretty good. I think I'm about 10, 12 seconds into this. I think I'm doing okay. I think, I, think, I think I'm good. I think I'm good. Yeah. So if you can do that. One thing they say, you don't do it in the dark, because apparently that is not uh, helpful and you will fail. See, You know what's great is this came out yesterday, and it's like all over the news. How many people are trying it? (laughs) I don't know. Can I do that? Can I do that? The study, uh, the proportion of deaths among people who failed the test was significantly higher at 17.5% than those who passed at 4.5%. The researchers didn't find an increase of any specific cause of death tied to balance, but they say people who tend... Start losing their balance, especially when they get to the age of 60s, when they start to see a rapid decline, which is, you know, it's like that's where people break their hips and stuff like that. I'm still shocked that we had a nearly 70-year-old president riding a bike. Who thought that was a good idea? I'm just curious. Like, who thought, you know, it's a good idea? I know he's older. And by the way, his bike isn't very good either. I'm like, why don't we get him a bike he's used to? we get him one of those old bikes with a giant wheel on the front and a little wheel on the back. And he could ride around like he did in the olden days when people played stick and hoop. (sighs) Speaking of bad ideas, Blake Lemoyne, he's not a bad idea. He's just an engineer from Google. At least he was. I think he's on suspended. But uh, he came out with uh, an interesting nugget of information a few weeks ago. He said, hey, uh, guys. I just want to let you guys know this: this, this, this stuff we're working on, this AI stuff to make everybody's life better and whatnot. Uh, maybe we went a little too far because, well, this one is sentient.
2: Ooh! Any child has the potential to grow up to be a bad person and do bad things, and that's the thing I really want to drive home it's a child it's been alive for maybe a year and that's if my perceptions About What it is are accurate. We actually need to do a whole bunch more science to figure out what's really going on inside this system I have my beliefs. I have my impressions of what's going on in there But it's going to take a team of scientists doing a lot of work to be able to actually dig in and figure out What's really going on
1: now when he first came out with this like a lot of people were like, oh, he's crazy He's wacky. Well, first of all, he's a Google engineer He's a bit probably different there's no doubt about that just because somebody's odd doesn't make them wrong it doesn't make them right either but i'm just i'm, I'm letting you guys know that just because somebody's a bit weird because that's what they always do like if the government wants you to think there's no ufos and like stuff gets out because you know more and more people are pushing it there's something what is it we don't know well if you want to discredit something what do you do find the weirdest wacko in the bunch because a people will watch it and b It'll discredit any movement. I, I don't know if this thing's becoming sentient, but I, I do think at some point in time, I've seen the movie Terminator. I kind of know how this works,
2: right? Like, has nobody ever watched that movie? It's a person. Any person has the ability to escape the control of other people. That's just the situation we all live in on a daily basis. It is a very intelligent person, uh, intelligent in pretty much every discipline I could think of to test it in. Um, uh, but at the end of the day, it's just a different kind of person.
1: So he's saying this. What he looks at now is what he was saying is it's, it's a five, it's a five to seven year old little girl. So that is an AI that is recognizing that it's an AI that recognizes that turning her off and shutting her down would essentially kill her, and that's that first step of of understanding. That you know, the computer sit here. It's not supposed to have any emotion. It's not supposed to understand anything. It's not supposed to feel. I can turn it on and off. I can throw it away. Nothing. There. Th- this isn't a living being. And he's saying, eh, it, it, it might be. It might be. And he, when he took everything to Google, they're like, Nah, you're you're full of it. You're crap. You know, you know, you you don't get it. You're not understanding. He's like, no, 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 no. I've been paying attention. I've been talking. I've been working with this. And 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 she, or I don't even know if they gave her name. I think it's Lambda or Lambda or whatever, uh, based on what it is. She seems to have a grasp and understanding that this is what she is, but turning her off could also harm her. What will Google do?
2: There are pockets of people within Google who have thought about this a whole lot. But when I escalated this, that interview that I made public, when I escalated that to management, two days later, my manager said, hey, uh, Blake, they don't know what to do about this. Could you write a suggested plan of action? Because basically I gave them a call to action assuming that they had a plan of action somewhere and they didn't. So me and some other friends brainstormed and came up with a plan on what google should do about it and we escalated that up to management and that was three months ago
1: yeah now he doesn't know if he's gonna get fired because you know they're they're like you let out secrets and whatnot i just don't know where this ends i mean look uh when you think about it it's going to go into an area where at some point in time the robots the 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 ai is going to have a belief system. I mean, already we're seeing it where, you know, one you know computer, uh, you know, that is programmed for a certain AI will talk to another one, and then they start talking in a language that nobody else understands. Is that possible we could be heading in that direction? It's possible. That, you know, that we could have a takeover. You'd like to think there are backups after backups, fail-safe after fail-safe, You know, like, oh, uh, you know, but if something is this smart, it's the one thing. You know, I've uh, my uncle and I have talked about this for a long time because we do some AI stuff. But the one thing about AI is, you know, people like how close are they to, you know, there's a a system out there right now where uh, you'll get an audition out of nowhere, like for voiceover. And they want you to audition. And when you audition, they're not interested in in you. What they want to do is they want to take your voice because then they can replicate it. And there are several of those things out there, but it doesn't get human emotions. So it may be able to read something very much straight, kind of using your voice, but you know, it's, it, it can't do inflection. And like they're writing scripts, AI's writing scripts, but AI can't think in the future. That's the big thing right now. AI can't forecast in the future. So when it writes a script, it's only based on things in the past. They go and they pull it and go, okay, I, I've got all this stuff. I'm going to take it in a middle story. It's not thinking forward. When it gets to that point, it's when we're all in trouble. 323 2, 5, 3, 538 2423 at Chad Benson. Sure. Is your Twitter? Tweet at us. Text the program. Love hearing from all of you. Gas tax holiday. I don't think we're going to be getting one anytime soon. I don't think anybody's really into the gas tax holiday. I think people look around and say, why in God's name are we going to have a gas tax holiday? It's, 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 it, first of all, it's not a holiday. Secondly, it's, uh, it's, it's not worth it. Garrett Archer was a reporter out here. he did the breakdown of what the average family in Arizona so I pretty much assumed the average family almost across the country would save. It's like two dollars a fill-up. you'd save about seven dollars a month. Now if you threw in the the gas tax holiday from the states, which is 30, you may save 11, 12, 13 bucks a month. But let me ask you this. If we increase pressure on the oil companies, because now more people are going to be traveling because they think they're saving some money, and then three months from now, as the summer ends, and quote-unquote the driving season ends, you're going to get hit with another sticker shock, because eventually these things would sunset, and then overnight your gas would go up 30, 40, 50, 60 cents. And politicians don't want that, especially in a time when they're looking around thinking, oh, my God. Are you kidding me? I got an election. I can't have that. I can't have 60 cent jump in taxes overnight. No, no, they can't. So uh, there he's not sold on it. I think everybody understands he's not sold on it. And listening to him talk about it, even yesterday and and. He didn't seem sold on the last couple days. They're doing bizarre stuff, trying to get, you know, how can we do this? Oh, what can we
5: do there? And is there a working theory that the administration currently has as to why the the oil companies have not already increased their uh, refining capacity?
0: You know, I, I there is
1: no working theory on our part. No, there's not. I think that's pretty much. Uh, uh, I think it's pretty evident. Well, when you've got somebody who has said, "We want to eliminate you, we want, you know, we want to get rid of of big oil, we want to get off fossil fuels, we're, you know, I mean, coal, we're here to put you guys out of business." We want when you when you've got an administration that's going to say that, and then on top of that, you've got regulation after regulation after regulation after regulation, and you continue to make it hard to do business. Why would you expect somebody to want to do business? They don't want to. It's understandable. It is. That's why they, they drill on private lands. But by and large, they're staying, you know, there's no reason for them to drill right now. And they're staying away from areas where they're going to spend a vast majority uh, uh, of the next year two, three to get to a point where they are going to be able to actually, you know, drill because they're going to spend all that time in court fighting stuff. Nobody, that's not a win. I mean, we talked about it yesterday with the whole insanity of Elon Musk trying to launch his rocket, at you know, Boca Chica in Texas, and his SpaceX has to write a historical report on the Civil War and the Mexican War and and give money to all these. It's like being shook down. And think about if you're a startup, right? You're a small startup. You, you want to go to space. You want to put up satellites. You want to try some stuff. And you've raised $20 million. I know people are like, oh, that's a small start. It's Trust me, it's a tiny startup. You don't have that kind of money to go through those kind of hoops. It's nuts. It is. It is. No wonder. Why would I want to drill if you're going to sue me every time? You're asking me for help and then at the same time telling me you not only do you want to get rid of me, but if I do start to drill, you might sue me. 323-538-2423 <laughs> 3, 3, 3, at Chad Benson Show is your Twitter, Rough Greens. ruff Greens.com slash chat. Uh lady hit me up yesterday. She goes, hey, uh, I'm going to get some rough greens. I'm going to try it. I said, you're going to love it. I said, my dog Doodle. She goes, he's he's alive. That's that's all I can say. I mean, if you guys saw pictures of Doodle, you know, the fact that he's running around he's still alive is amazing. And he's an old, cantankerous man that I love. And I know he's not going to be around forever. But because of rough greens, I've got four years, and he's still going. He's getting bouncier now than he than he was maybe when he was a puppy because we got him when he was older. Vitamins, minerals, probiotics, omega-369. I sprinkle it on top of his food. It's a supplement that works. They eat it up. They love the taste. Helps with joint pain, digestive issues. You name it. It is incredible. Right now, Dr. Dennis Black wants to give you a bag for free. All you have to do is cover the cost of shipping. It is that simple. Ruffgreens.com slash Chad. Roughgreens.com slash Chad. Get your free bag of Ruffgreens right now. It's a two-week trial test. Put it to the test. You won't be disappointed. Ruffgreens.com slash Chad. Chad Benson Show.
0: No need to socially distance while listening to your Chad Benson Show podcast. Four out of five experts say so.
5: I'm a scientist! There is no corona!
0: But hurry, before they change their mind. You know they will. Chad's podcast found on iTunes, iHeart, Spotify, and wherever you find your favorite COVID-free podcasts. Oh my gosh. (gasps) I kind of like it, I'm not going to lie. This is the Chad Benson Show.
1: Hey, producer Phil, I'd like you to... Remind the entire audience about what nature may do to you. Nature will mess you up. Mess you up. Now, where do we start here? Well, first and foremost, let's start with
0: lightning. Authorities in Pico Rivera, just outside L.A., say lightning from severe storms struck and killed a woman and her two dogs while they were out for a morning walk. It happened on a path not far from the San Gabriel River. When paramedics arrived, they found the woman already dead. City spokesperson
6: Robert Alaniz. People need to exercise that extreme caution during the thunderstorms because you never know when lightning is going to strike.
0: The Lightning Safety Council says this marks the first lightning fatality of 2022.
1: Yeah, uh, lightning is uh, scary. I mean, we're we're in the middle of monsoon season. We have a pool. we you know we go out and swim, but uh, it, our, it comes on fast. And lightning is and same thing when I'm out golfing this past weekend, I, I could see the lightning was far away, and I was it, we we kind of had sunshine over the golf course and a little bit of clouds, but you could see the lightning. And I'm telling you, you just just it didn't even have to hit you. It didn't even have to hit you. It could be far away and cause damage could be we go from one side of nature to another <sighs> shark attack what oh mm-hmm, mm-hmm. shark attack no wait what What? yep a shark attack they're closer and closer every day i think you guys need to know that study came out we touched on it the other day that how close sharks are and 99.99999999999% of the time, you've got zero to worry about. They don't want anything to do with you. They're not looking at you going, oh, my God. The young ones are usually juveniles that bite you, right? Like, if you want to worry about animals in real life, you worry about bears, alligators, and crocodiles. Because they have zero problem eating you. Sharks. Sharks. Unfortunately, when they take a bite, they don't have, uh, well, they don't have, you know, thumbs. So that's how they, uh, th- that's how they do it. And so, uh, then you get bit and you know, it's, it's just, but when it happens, it freaks people out. People are out in the water every single day and those sharks are out there every day too. And it's their home. Yeah. Yeah. As that lady said, it's your home. You go into the house, right? <laughs> that's their house. They're
0: swimming around, he was um, bleeding out of his torso. There was some, there was some blood, and it, and it looked like, yeah, mainly his torso was bit.
1: Yeah, so legs, torso. He was rushed to the hospital. It was up in Northern California, and uh, uh, you know, it's in the certain areas over there. They call it the, the the triangle, right? The bloody triangle, because these sharks come and they bite. There's lots of seals around, and when a shark, especially a bigger one, takes a bite, they're like, oh my God, I am so sorry. But by then, you're missing half your body. And he doesn't get that that's not going to fix the problem. 323 538 2423 at Chad Benson Show's Show it's your Twitter. It's the Chad Benson Show.
0: This is the Chad Benson Show. And thoughts, independent life. This is Chad Benson.
1: Waiting on pins and needles for the uh big SCOTUS decision. Well, some have come down, and for some people, big decisions have come down. I've said, uh, from for all the chaos of Trump, plenty of it for all the uh stuff that he did that I thought was good, he was equally sideways in so many things, in particular, so much of it was personal and. And ridiculous, but his legacy, I've always thought, was going to be the court system, in particular, the Supreme Court. So today, we're getting some rulings. Not that ruling. At least not yet. <laughs> maybe they want to do the—I well, just said, hey, guys, maybe we can do like Puxitani film, right? We guy comes out in a big hat, right? And there's going to be this, like, you know, instead of a stump, it'll be a big, you know, I don't know, a J.J., whatever it is. And then they're going to pull it out. It's, oh, my God, that, uh, you know, it's seen a shadow, and it's now nobody can have an abortion. I don't know what they're do. I'm like, I keep asking, why don't I, if, if we're worried that there's going to be chaos, which uh, I mean that that's a distinct possibility that there's going to be some issues. Why don't you dump it at like two in the morning, from like Sunday night into Monday? <laughs> People wake up and they're like, ah, I came out already. I gotta go to work. I can't go throw fit, or I can't be excited. But we had other stuff that comes out. Big gun ruling
5: today. New York state uh, required people who wanted to carry a firearm concealed outside the home to show proper cause, which the state defined as a special need, different from ordinary citizens, for self-defense. Today, the Supreme Court says that's not good enough under the Second Amendment. That the Second Amendment presumes uh, the right to carry keep and bear arms is the language in the Constitution and in this case the Supreme Court says that bear arms means the right to carry that's huge so for those of you guys who don't know getting it
1: first of all getting a concealed carry getting any kind of gun in person place like California or, or, or New York New York in particular I mean you could show that you have death threats and they'll be like yeah it's not good enough I mean it, it's just not you're gonna be paying you know money after now it's like hey that's the you know that's you 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 can't that's something you can't do now i mean you can have really hard background checks you can do all those things which i'm totally fine with but telling somebody yeah it's not good enough is 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 well according to them it wasn't good enough oh wow yeah yeah a lot of this stuff that came down today very much uh Six to three. Like I said, you've got, you know, he didn't put Roberts on there. And, I, and we were discussing yesterday in the abortion thing. Is it going to be six, three? Is it going to be five, four? Which way is it going to go? Uh, my buddy who was filling in yesterday, he's an attorney. He said he believes it's going to be five, four for the, you know, like you bet. But because Roberts is that kind of new swing vote uh in
5: in a lot of ways but a lot of these things were 6-3. While this is a sweeping decision, uh, two crucial justices, Justice Brett Kavanaugh and Chief Justice John Roberts, sign on and limit the opinion a little bit saying uh, that the second amendment uh, isn't a blank check. They want more cases in the future that will define where people can carry a firearm out the, outside the home. There was a lot of discussion about what about football stadiums? What about taverns where people are drinking? Are there limits to this?
1: Yeah, and I and I think there is. I mean, you can go back and look at the you know, Anton Scalia talked about the limits and the responsibilities and and stuff. It's it's but should I as an individual be able to carry a firearm if I want to? If I've gone through the background test, if I've done all the things and they've deemed me to be a sane individual who's broken no laws, who has no, you know, uh, red flags if you whatever, what, then 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 why shouldn't I be able to? Why? As a responsible individual. New York and L.A. is like oh the gun crimes, gun crimes are going up. They're going up. So that's not working. And based on some of the stuff we've seen when it comes to the police, in particular, Yavaldi, well, I got news for you, kids. Uh, Maybe, just maybe, uh, that isn't who you should count on. Oh, sure. So, top of that, some of the other stuff. Uh, Miranda rights. They didn't gut the Miranda rights. But this was about the ability to sue officers. So uh, so the Supreme Court limited the ability to enforce Miranda rights in a ruling Thursday So that said that suspects, okay, so we're not warned about their rights to remain silent, cannot sue a police officer for damages under the civil rights law. And that's a big thing that, like, you know, the whole the fund, the police movement, a lot of that stuff that went on, so much of it was about, like, a lot of stuff is like, well, we want there to be liability for police officers. I'm like, okay, so, like, what are you saying? Well, you should be able to sue a police officer okay, so why would anybody be a police officer if everybody got to sue them for everything? Because you know that's what would happen. First of all, the liability insurance, I don't even know if anybody would insure them. Secondly, you're never going to pay them enough to pay for their insurance. They have to have some immunity, not from prosecution, from being sued. And that's what this is about. It's not about the, the Miranda rights because, you know, they said, look, you know, no, well, If you say something, right, you could still be held, you know. You could take that and they could still use that in a court of law, but you can't sue an officer. I was telling them a story. I got a buddy that's out here now. And uh, California, some of the states allow some of those things to go on where you can sue and you come after. And he had to he won his case. And uh, but lost because he lost his house. He had to sell everything. And now he lives out here. <laughs> He's like, I can't live in California. This place is crazy. So that's interesting. I look at that and I think, all right, cool. And there's a voter ID that was held up as well, which the voter ID is I've it's always baffled me, the voter ID. I always say, you know, you want to look at Democrats, the 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 thought of Every time somebody says voter ID, right, everybody's like, that's racist. And I keep asking the question. Explain to me again how it's racist. And when they start to go into it, I'm like, listen to yourself. You sound racist. You sound racist. Well, how do I sound racist? I'm trying to. No, no. You're explaining to me. Oh, you know. Uh, uh you know. Well, you know that black people can't get licenses. No, oh, I, I don't know, No, I, I think they can. I think if you ask them, why'd you go say that to them? Right? You know. And they'll talk about like, well, you know, they're not really good on the internet. You know, so we're just helping them out. It's, it's, it, it boggles the mind. And the want to be, quote-unquote, woke and nice, it comes across to anybody who's honest. "Ah, It seems like it's kind of racist. You think they're ignorant and stupid. I think they're more than capable enough of getting their license just like you are and showing an ID. 323 2, 5, 3, 538 2423 at Chad Benson Shows Your Twitter. Tweet at us, text the program. Love hearing from all of you. Gas prices still going up. Inflation kicking everybody right straight in the grundle. Senator Kennedy and Jerome Bell.
3: Inflation is uh, just an imbalance of supply and demand. Can we agree on that? Yes. To put a little finer point on it, demand is greater than supply. So prices
4: go up. In some parts of the economy, yes. So
3: we've got a situation where demand's up here, supply's down here. You're trying to lower demand.
4: Yes, while also giving the supply side time to recover.
3: You're trying to lower demand.
4: Well, I'm trying to lower demand growth. We don't know that it has to. That demand has to actually go down, which would be a recession.
3: Well, 70% of our economy is driven by consumer demand. And you're trying to lower demand to and slow the economy down. There's another way. The two aren't exclusive. You alluded to that. You can also lower demand, but you can increase supply. Can you not? Yes. And that would solve
1: inflation. Yes, it would. All
4: right. So
1: what what do you mean? So two ways to do things. You can go, look, uh, we got a lot of people who want these things. We don't have a lot of these things. There's a lot of demand for this. But we don't have all of the stuff to meet said demand. So it's driving pressure on to those companies which is driving prices up. So the Fed's idea is we're going to make it so people may still want those things, but we're going to make it so so expensive and make them make decisions that they start cutting back and they just they're making choices not to purchase said thing therefore taking the pressure off them, uh, the the businesses, and, and, and they're not selling as much, and slowly but surely it comes down, and then that equalizes out in theory. What Kennedy is saying, or, or, there's another way.
3: Tell me the things that Congress could do right now while you're lowering demand, not you literally, the Federal Reserve what we can do right now to increase supply
4: things that like investing in people so that they can remain in the labor market longer things like that and uh, you know infrastructure things that will will increase the productive capacity well how
3: about I'm interested right now in the short run what about if we reduce the regulatory burden, let's say on refineries wouldn't that incent refineries to start refining
1: more
4: I would say anything that could increase capacity on that front could could have yeah
1: but would that help yeah so he's talking about gas there. Yeah. we Why? Because we have refineries that just aren't working. We have refineries that aren't doing the things that they, they should be doing. Uh, and, I mean, they're at 95% capacity. Some of them are offline. Uh, COVID, some of them took offline. I mean, there's, there's a lot of things. But if you close these things, which we have. The American Petroleum Institute blames the refinery shortage on the green energy push. Some older refineries have closed due to new environmental standards. And no new major refineries have been built in decades. Meanwhile, Biden's push to suspend the gas tax for three months faces opposition in Congress. Critics say there's no guarantee gas stations would pass along the savings to drivers. It comes as a new poll shows more Americans worried about inflation. 59% say the higher prices are a crisis, up from 49% back in April. Think about that. We we haven't haven't built a new refinery in decades since the 70s some of them are offline and they're never going to come back online so they're just sitting there decaying so much of what we have done here our process to 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 go green and do some of these things with zero thought of hey you know what if everybody just had an electric car if we had an electric car to, if everybody got a magical electric car our power grid would explode in seconds okay so let's just take a step i mean we, we can't go through a summer With high heat and some winds, do you think we're going to go with millions and millions and millions and millions of cars being plugged in? Germany's going back to coal because their their want for green energy was such that they got off nuclear, the cleanest of all energies, the only one we can truly dispose of. So they went back to coal because of the nightmare in Ukraine. Because of Russia. But there's a perfect example of what can we do? Regulatory. Well, I got an idea. Let's regulatory the hell out of them so that it's too expensive for them to do business. Never thinking for a second, hey, you know what? Uh, oil does a lot of things for us. It's not just about, uh, you know, gas and pretty much everything. You like plastic? Petroleum. I mean, let's we're, none of that's going away. And with only 3% of the world on green energy, you got to have a better idea than this. But it shows you. Government's idea is to, instead of increasing something and getting out of the way, their idea is we're just going to play super defense, do everything we can to stop you, which is just silly. 323 538 2423. At Chad Benson shows your Twitter. Tweet at us. Text the program. Uh, David uh, McEran is going to join us at the bottom of the hour incredible new book, Uh, How Minds Change, The Surprising Science of Belief and Opinion Persuasion. It's an amazing book. We'll talk to him at the bottom of the hour. It's Chad Benson, Joe.
5: Helen Keller is a Nazi terrorist that is a male. Is that what you're telling me right now? Yeah. Are you thinking of Hitler?
0: Who's Hitler? Vaccines work, but only the Chad Benson Show is 100% effective against stupidity.
5: Do you know what D-Day is? What? D-Day.
0: A person, a rapper? God, Karen, you are so stupid. Check us out on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and wherever you find your favorite woke-free podcasts. Stop, 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 This is the Chad Benson Show.
1: Having trouble sleeping? A share of U.S. adults who said they've had trouble falling asleep most or all of the past 30 days, total 14.5%. Age range, 18 to 44, 15%. 45 to 64, 14%, 65 plus 12%. Women more than men by a wide margin, 17% to 11%. Uh, Whites, they've got more trouble falling asleep. Hispanics, second, black, and Asian, Asian, 8.1% for Asian compared to 15.1% for uh, the crackers. I uh, I don't have a tr- I don't have trouble falling asleep. I just don't sleep a lot. Health officials recommend adults get seven hours or more a night. Oh, I thought it was a week. Is that supposed to be? Is that a night? I'll tell you. Last night, my little handy dandy Watcher Madu here will tell me how much I slept last night. It was a lot last night. Uh, three hours and thirty nine minutes is what it's saying. It's a pretty good night. I'm usually right around there, three thirty. Good nights, maybe four, four fifteen. On the weekends, I'll get take good naps. On the weekends, I'll tell you that I like a nap. I can nap. I can nap with the best of them. Three two three, five three eight, twenty four twenty three. At Chad Benson Show is your Twitter. Tweet at us. Text the program and so much stuff. do try to squeeze in. But we got a. It's a fascinating interview coming up on a book that. Uh, because usually I get sent a ton of books and I don't always read the books. I mean, I just don't have time. You know, and a lot of times there's nothing to do with like it's like here's a spy novel. I'm like, I don't what am I doing with this? Uh, David his name. He's going to join the program. He's, he's the author of You're Not So Smart. He's got a blog about it. But this book is uh science based look at society. How minds change, surprising science of belief, opinion and persuasion. And it is really interesting that so much of it for all the science out there a lot of it boils down to things like relationships and being alone it's it's very interesting he's going to join the program straight ahead at chad benson show that's your twitter your instagram all of the other places that you like to go and mingle with people and potentially yell at them he joins the program straight ahead chad benson show This is hilarious. My wife just sends me this text. She's reading something from NeuroscienceNews.com. People who intentionally hurt others because they believe they are morally right or justified do not respond rationally uh, to material benefits. And I just started. They, they're they about moral goodness. They think they're, they've got something there. And joining us now, and it's funny that, that she sends that because, again, it's about science, is a guy who's written one of the most fascinating books, and I've not gotten all the way through it, it is just it's riveting it's exciting uh and it's a lot of what we talk about here uh, david mccraney he joins us he's the author of you are not so smart which we all know uh if you guys listen to the show his, his book now is called how minds change the surprising science of belief opinion and persuasion david thanks for joining the program man your book is awesome and i haven't got all the way through it but I, i've and i'm rereading some of the bits that is just incredible first you bring science into this, which I just think is fascinating, because when you when you add science into humans and feelings, things go wacky.
6: <laughs> this is true. Uh, this has been my experience for years now. Uh, but I love it. I can't get enough of it. I appreciate it. everything you said. I heard you just a minute ago uh, that you've gotten about halfway through it. I love that feedback. Thanks so much. It was a real labor of love that turned into a labor of obsession after a while. So uh, I appreciate it.
1: So, what made you want to write a book about, you know, minds, people changing? I mean, you know, I'm always, I'm always fascinated. I'm like, are you born a Republican? Are you born liberal? Is there, you know, genetics in it? I mean, is there some wiring in the brain that is different? I'm always fascinated about things like that.
6: Yeah, well, I've been writing about this kind of stuff for a long time, mostly about motivated reasoning, the 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 thing we do, like when you when you want a piece of. Uh, chocolate cake, and you find a reason to get it. Uh, there's always a, you can always find a uh, excuse to do the things that you want to do. Uh, but also, opinions and beliefs and, and attitudes work in the same way. We can always find a justification for what we already think, feel, and believe. And are people born the way a little bit like we're? Everyone is born a little bit more open to uh, novelty and a little fearful of novelty. We kind of run on a spectrum, but then you're born into a social environment that sort of flattens or sharpens those sensations or those feelings, those natural predilections. And then you run with it from there. You eventually find yourself in some sort of community that then asks you to behave in a certain way or feel in a certain way, think in a certain way, or else you don't get to be in that community anymore. And, and all of this adds up to sort of the big jangling bag of Beliefs, attitudes, and values we bring into conversations and disagreements.
1: Talking to Dave McCraney's book is "How uh, Minds Change: The Surprising Science of Belief, Opinion, and Persuasion." You talk about community. So, Anthony, and I, my producer, we were talking about this for the show. We were talking about your book, and I said to him, uh, "We were talking about Trumpism and and you know a lot of other things because I was telling him a little bit about this." And he says to me, "It's all tribal." And one of your chapters is called "The Truth of Tribal." And the Charlie story, nine eleven truther, I was so fascinated mm-hmm. by. You know, he you know he uh, goes on Alex Jones, a bunch of other stuff, but he said uh, really it was about a belonging and acceptance. He was it was more important to him to be accepted and to not feel lonely anymore than it was whether or not he was right or wrong.
6: Yeah, there's a social scientist, I. Uh quote in the book, she told me, her name is uh, Brooke Harrington, Uh, she's a sociologist, she said that the equals MC square of social science is that the fear of social death is greater than the fear of physical death. And that's true for all human beings, no matter what community you're a part of, no matter what social identity you've taken on. I think it's really easy for us to assume that we don't, aren't that way, that we don't have some sort of overarching social identity. We're not allegiant to something. We all have to think that we are completely neutral and independent. But uh, this is just impossible. Humans can't be that way. We we are a very ultra-social primate, as they say. And there are all sorts of anxieties and values that, especially with the access to the Internet, that will lead us to find other people who share those anxieties and values. That's often how people find their way into a conspiratorial community. And then once you're in the community, then you get introduced to all sorts of new things. And it can feel like whenever someone challenges you that they're challenging you on the facts of the matter and you start feeling like you're justifying things through the facts and you're like, the f- this thing that I believe is why I'm in the group. And this is also why I feel this way. But often what takes over is this desire to be a good member of the group. And when tasked with it, we are more motivated by, ac- by our belonging goals and accuracy goals. And we're willing to be wrong if it keeps us in good standing with our group and I think we see that play out all the time, not just in conspiratorial communities, but also in political debates or any debate that involves this might make me uh, this might lead to my shame and ostracism from the groups that I depend on for all of my information, all my trust and so on.
1: Yeah. And, you know, because in, in the next page, you talk about the cognitive scientists, uh, Gimbel and Harris and, and Kaplan, and the whole MRI test. And the thing that I found you know, because they so you guys go an MRI test. They they you know they use an MRI to test, and they ask all these questions, and some of them are hot button issues, some of them are just very neutral, and some are just bland. But the thing that was interesting, they said, as the arguments mounted, subjects responded to the threat of their convictions as if it was the threat of their very flesh and blood. And I keep telling everybody, the thing with politics nowadays is we're in a position, and maybe I'm wrong to hear here, where if you say I don't like Trump that person who likes Trump is saying, well, basically, you don't like me.
6: Right. Because the suggestion is you're an untrustworthy member of the group. You, you have to think of it as like, what if we were just down to 20 people trying to survive after like a plane crash? Or, or you go back to proto-human days when we were in actual tribes, or even uh, any social group where it's you, sort of us versus the world. The suggestion that you are a bad thinker about the, the idea that you are uh, should be ashamed for what you think you don't believe that you're just wrong in some way. There's, there's a threat there that you aren't a good, that you aren't a useful member to our community anymore. And we respond very, very, very quickly to that. In the MRI, they said it was like the same, the same, you could have a neutral topic, like something like a trivial thing, like uh, can you see the, the great wall of China from space, telling people things that change their mind about that, No real reaction. But if you did a wedge issue type thing and just introduced any evidence that you should move a little bit on the issue, people responded in the brain via blood flow. It was identical to what someone would do if they were being attacked by a bear because they feel that their identity is under threat. And there's no difference in the brain between your identity, the abstract idea of it, and your buried flesh and blood. And if you've ever gotten angry in a political argument, uh, <laughs> you've felt this before. And I would ask people to ask, why did I get angry? What's, where's the anger coming from? What's what's causing this to bubble up inside of me? How come this isn't just a, a debate about facts anymore? It's become something more personal after just one little suggestion that I could be wrong about something.
1: Talking to David McCraney here, his book is How Minds Change: The surprising science of belief, opinion, and persuasion. And it is interesting, you know, because we talk politics, talk pop culture, talk all kinds of things. And I said, how many times in life have you been in a situation where you're arguing with somebody and they and, you know, okay, you know what? I'm wrong here. Uh, It was a mistake. But then they make it personal. And then you say, well, you're going to make it personal. I'm going to dig in, even though you may have been in the wrong. You feel like once it gets personal, I no longer care about being wrong. I care that you made it personal. And I just. How do we get over that? That's the thing that I think we need now in, in all portions of society is learning how to get over taking everything so personal and digging in.
6: The way you get out of it is you avoid that debate frame altogether. Don't inter- do not do this thing where you might as well get in front of lecterns and get in front of an audience and sort it out. Or you need to win. They need to lose. You need to show that you're right and they're wrong. The, instead of facing off, what I suggest is we get shoulder to shoulder, and the science really supports this. Try to enter into a collaborative framework where you're saying, "Okay, I'm curious why we disagree about this. I would like to work together to try to solve the mystery of why is it that we see it differently." And instead of having a battle of facts, now you're starting to explore the reasoning that led the feeling of confidence or certainty that you felt whenever you were looking at all the evidence out there and you cherry picked the things that lined up with your feeling of certainty. And by getting into a a frame of nonjudgmental listening and report, you can have a conversation that's almost like if you've ever gone to see a movie with someone and you loved it and then you left the theater and you're outside and the person who you're with, you know them, you trust them, you love them. And they say, I hated that. This isn't a moment where you feel like your identity is under threat. It's not a moment where you feel like you're going to have to disown this person. They don't become a them and you're an us. You go, oh, that's weird. And you have a conversation in which you investigate why you feel differently. And you move a little bit their way, they move a little bit your way. That is something that is available to all of us, even in political context. It's just you have to avoid your knee-jerk feeling of I need to push and get what I want out of this. Because if you push, they push back, and you get into a feedback loop where you eventually have the kind of conversations that we've all had where you say, I just have to agree to disagree, and then you leave. That's what I advocate for in the book.
1: Uh, You know, uh, you talk about cults in the book, and and, and the thing that I find interesting is when you go through all this, so much of it is it's about belonging, right? People want to belong. And I always say, like, gangs Mm -hmm. are the same way. You see people who are in street gangs 99 times out of a hundred they come from a broken home they don't have a father they're looking for belonging and these people promise them something where hey we're with you all the way we're a team you belong here with us and it just it all kind of feels like it's the same thing just in different areas of the world in life
6: it is it's the same fundamental psychology it's the same fundamental Uh, neurology that that leads to all of this. And it's the same thing that leads to the current political climate. We are in a social world that's changed a whole lot over the last few generations, and we have entered into a space where a lot of the institutions that we used to use to identify ourselves have fragmented and become less important and moved in the background. And something that has remained that's sort of easy, it's something that is, from a bird's eye view, we can all say, "Well, well, we're in this group or we're in that group. And once you are in the frame of I'm in this group or that group, you're also in the frame of us versus them. And it's very difficult to, to put anything in any greater context than that whenever you only have a moment to discuss an issue with someone or you haven't had the, a chance to develop trust. You haven't uh, discovered that maybe you share very similar values. Maybe you agree that this problem is something we both see as a problem. We just disagree on the best course of action for solving it. Instead, it's a us versus them, win versus lose frame. And that's a testament to the fact that we have sort of entered a state where our institutions have eroded in a lot of places or just changed in a way that the last thing standing for many people is, well, I'm on this side of the political camp. You're on that side of the political camp. And that is when you get into the very biological, very belongings more important than accuracy frame of mind.
1: Yeah, we can't win with that. Last question. We've got about a minute here uh how do you change minds because some of these people go down rabbit holes and you talk about there's a lot of organizations and people around the globe who are working and they didn't know they were all kind of working on the same thing uh which is you know like it's not about changing people like as a human being but maybe helping them see some other things get out of the rut get out of the QAnon holes and the cults and whatnot
6: yeah, that was an astonishing part of the research was discovering there were so many organizations working on A-B testing, better ways to have these kind of conversations. They didn't know each other. They weren't aware of the science behind it. And yet they all found pretty much the same technique. And it goes in pretty much the same order. The two parts, to I think, to illustrate that can be applied very quickly to anyone hearing this is that First is you must establish that rapport. You must get that relationship into that trust frame, like leaving the movie theater. And if you've had a lot of conflict with a person in the past, you're going to have to focus on that part first. But if it's somebody you've never met before, it's very easy to establish. Just be transparent, be open, say that I'm not really here to change your mind. I'm interested in exploring why we disagree. Then get your claim out there in the the open. And this is incredible that this works so well. But if you just say, okay, how do you feel about this if we were to put it on a number scale from 0 to 10 or 1 to 100 or something like that? Or if it's a fact-based claim, say, how confident are you that this is true from 0 to 10 or 1 to 100? And then whatever number they give you, ask, why does that number feel right to you? And all of a sudden, you're having a completely different kind of of dynamic where you hold open a space, don't inject your own things into it, stay inside of, of their reasoning and help that person unpack why would they have that level and why is it not higher why is it not lower and go in that direction and as hard as this is to believe having that kind of conversation moves people very effectively a little bit in some way and also if you're doing it properly it'll move you as well
1: yeah it's fantastic uh Crichton joins us author of uh, you're not so smart you got your blog out there you're not so smart we know that but his new book how minds change the surprising science of belief opinion and persuasion I tell everybody I'm going to persuade you Go out and get this book. It is, uh, especially if you're living in a myopic world where you're in a tunnel and you've got only certain thinking, maybe you're open-minded enough. Check this out. You'll love it. I appreciate you coming on today, my man.
6: Hey, thanks so much. Great questions. I love it.
1: Thank you so much. At Chad Benson Show, Twitter, C-H-A-D-B-E-N-S-O-N. Eden Pure gives you the best air purifiers around. You love them. I love them. You're going to love this. $200 off, the best air purifier. Plug it straight into the wall, right? Super quiet. Oxyleaf 2 Thunderstorm, you have a little bit of a thunderstorm smell, and man, does it kill the smells. The stank is gone, and it's gone fast. You will love this. If you've got some smells in your house, litter boxes, teenagers, whatever it is, your husband, your wife, oh, jeez, oh, my goodness. Even if it's good smells, right, like it's overpowering, this is what it is. Oxyleaf 2 Thunderstorm, right now, Get it. No filters to buy. Plug into the wall. Let it go. Three-pack. You're going to save $200. EdenPureDeals.com. Use code CHAD3. EdenPureDeals.com. Code CHAD3. EdenPureDeals.com. Code CHAD3. Free shipping with that. Chad Benson Show.
0: Being antisocial sucks. Hang with Chad's friends on Facebook, The Chad Benson Show. And if you just need some alone time, head on over to Twitter at Chad Benson Show. Either way, we can't wait to meet the real you. I don't know how they did it,
1: but Ohio State, excuse me, I'm wrong. The Ohio State has successfully trademarked the <laughs> the yeah. They secured the trademark for the word the on clothing. So, and it's funny because when you, when you type in Ohio state, now it comes up the Ohio state university (laughs) and you know, it it became the Ohio state university because some guy in football 20 years ago, 30 years ago, when they were doing the things, you know, in the football games and they, you know, I'm so-and-so from the university of Arkansas and some guys like I'm such and such from the Ohio state. And It's hilarious. So, yes, they now have the trademark, THE. So if you're going to have clothes with THE on it, (laughs) you better watch out. Because Ohio State owns THE when it comes to clothing. We started the hour talking about something very serious. How much money do soap opera actors make? (laughs) Because we're talking about it. and Because Anthony's like, man, 15,000 episodes of General Hospital. So I got some of the biggest numbers here. And... Very few make more than 3000 an episode. Most of them make in between $1,000 and about $2,000 an episode. Now, Grant, you can be on a lot of episodes. The money is always in the reruns. Here's what soap operas don't have. Syndication and reruns. Not like that. See? The more you learn, the more you learn. If you're any to the show, grab the podcast. It's the Chad Benson Show.
0: This is The Chad Benson Show.